It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Shannon Gilman Orr solved a problem for herself and quickly found out other quilters wanted a product that she hadn't even published yet. I'm amazed at how well she was able to pivot with it and made it possible for quilters to have such a wonderful product. It was fantastic to hear how she admired the tenacity, fortitude, and grit of her great-great-grandmother and then worked very hard to bring out those qualities in herself. Shannon, thanks for joining me on A Quilter's Life. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Tell me about where you were born and raised. So I was born in Provo, Utah and lived there for just a few years. And then my family moved to Arizona. So I grew up through high school in the Sonoran Desert. And then after that, I moved to the East Coast and the West Coast. And now I find myself back in Arizona. Oh, neat. How about a special childhood memory? My family did a really great job about building memorable experiences for us. But one of the ones I remember the most is my dad got in his head that our family needed a boat. And none of us had ever been on a boat. None of us had ever driven a boat before. (laughs) Anyways, my dad had grown up with a boat and he's like, our family needs a boat. So we got a boat, not a very big boat. But it was one of the highlights of growing up is that every Saturday we spent the whole day at the lake. And it really was a great bonding thing because no one had cell phones and we just played and ate lunch and got sunburned. And it was one of my favorite things growing up. Oh, cool. What type of boat was it? Was it more of a pontoon boat or did you have skis or... Yeah. So my dad is actually a really great skier. So it was a ski boat, a little like open bow boat. And he tried his best to teach us all how to ski. We were pretty terrible at it, (laughs) but we did get into like wakeboarding and kneeboarding. And ultimately though, I think our favorite thing was that we got to spend the whole day with my dad who traveled quite a bit. And the best part was that we would go out early. We would eat lunch. Lunch was the best part of the day play hard all day long, and then we would clean it up and put it away. But I just remember that like blissfully tired sunburn feeling at the end of every day. Oh, cool. Yeah. Tell me about your employment. So I have a degree in architecture, and I worked in architecture field for a couple firms for a few years. And then I had a baby right when the recession of 2008 hit. And that's where I started to learn to quilt, actually. So I've always been an entrepreneur and dabbled in like craft fairs and really enjoyed working for myself. And I've done that for the last, oh, I think I'm going on 10 or 12 years now. And a couple of years ago, I felt like I needed a break from my business and my kids were a little bit older. And so I went and sold custom furniture for anthropology for a year and really enjoyed that. And it was kind of nice to get back to my architecture interior design aspect. And then I felt at the end of that year that it was time to just go home and refocus on my own business again. And then the pandemic happened. So I got to spend a whole year at home with my family. And that was actually a huge blessing for us. 
now that I've moved back to Arizona, I am back doing my own business. So I design quilts and quilting patterns. I did that for a while. I had several, I think I had three fabric lines with Moda Fabrics. And through that, I created a product called Plan to Quilt, which has actually been the number one product that I've ever designed. And those are now sold worldwide. Oh, neat. We'll get to that in a little bit here. Sure. When you were thinking about what you wanted to be when you grew up, what made you think about becoming an architect? Well, I have always loved color and I've always loved space, like space planning or decorating. And I at first said to my parents, I'm like, I want to go to art school. And they said, no, we won't pay for that. Like artists don't make money when they grow up. And I was like, okay, fine. So the next best thing I thought, well, I'll be an interior designer. And it was actually probably pure inspiration from my mom who said, you can decorate any space, but what if you could create the space? And that really stuck with me. And I thought, oh, that's different. That's bigger. And I just hadn't ever really thought that much bigger before. So I applied to a couple schools and the school that I got accepted to didn't have an interior design program. They only had architecture. And I thought, all right, I'll do it. And I applied and it was pretty brutal. So there was 300 freshmen, but they only accepted 50 students into the program. And I happened to be one of those 50 students that made it in. And I really loved it. Like school was very hard. I slept for maybe three hours, four hours a night for five years. So (laughs) it was pretty exhausting, but luckily like the energy of being 18 to 22 really was in my favor. I plowed through it and I made really good friends. I learned how to weld and pour concrete and use power tools. And we physically built quite a few things, but I really loved the drawing and the illustration side the most. So I can do all those hefty power tool things, but the art side really called to me. So luckily I had a couple of professors where they taught really beautiful illustration work to do like the facades of buildings. And that's usually the drawing that you see when you drive by a new construction site, they have like an illustration on the fence. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love to do the most. So when I was done with school, my first several jobs, I was their in-house renderer, they call it. So that's that architectural illustration. And then I also got to do material selection. So the firm I worked for had a bunch of projects that were all schools. So elementary schools, high schools, and middle schools. And the beautiful thing about a school is that it needs what's called the wayfinding system. It's where you like the tiles in that particular hallway are blue. So the kindergartners know that their class is in the blue wing. And so we did a lot of material selection. And again, it kept coming back to color and materials. And that was really a treat for me. But I had wonderful bosses who were like, what are you good at? And let's let you do that. How fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And I really loved it. I probably would have stuck with it had the recession not totally changed my focus. That and having this beautiful little boy that I felt like I should stay home with. Mm -hmm. Can I ask how you met your husband? Sure. So I met my husband in a choir, actually. He sang tenor and I sang soprano. And the way the choir was organized, he sat right behind me. We met in college. The choir was in college. And then we were married our senior year. And the day we graduated, we drove to the East Coast where we lived for about nine years. Oh, wow. So you were out on the East Coast, too. 
Yeah. So we lived in New Hampshire, just north of Boston, and he had a job there. And that's where I worked for my first architecture firm. So we lived out there until our son was in, well, I think he was in first grade. And by then we had two little boys and then we moved to Tucson. And from there we moved to San Francisco where we were for the last four years. And then recently decided to end our marriage. And now I'm back in Arizona. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it happens. Okay. Besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? So I've actually done a lot of things. In high school, I made jewelry and I sold it like at craft fairs. And so after I decided to stay home with my little boy, I needed something to do. So I actually got back into jewelry making and did craft fairs for a while. And then I started making cakes and got really into cake decorating. So I did wedding cakes for a while. And that was fun, but it's such a temporary medium. So you have to time everything really, really succinctly. And then I had made a beautiful cake and I came in one morning and my little boy had put his handprint on the side of it. <laughs> and it was for a customer. So I had to like re-ice it. So I decided, okay, maybe doing cakes when you have little children is not a great idea. So I also paint. I've always painted and really enjoyed that. I used to use acrylic. So for my large paintings, I still use acrylic. But lately, I've really discovered gouache, which is not a medium I ever used in school, but it's like a acrylic slash watercolor had a baby and it's a really beautiful paint. So that's my new favorite thing. But I have always just loved to make things with my hands. It doesn't really seem to matter what it is. And I believe you have some of your paintings on your website. I do. Yeah. So every once in a while, I'll take a commission or I'll sell a piece of work just because it's time to let it go. But the painting has always been a very calming, zen, mindful practice that if I feel anxious or overwhelmed, I need to go paint. Wow. How about other hobbies? I love to bake. Love to bake. So I will bake whether or not I'm eating those things. <laughs> And I love to share them with other people. That's probably why I did the cakes for a while. And in the last couple of years, I realized that I should not eat wheat or dairy. And so I've really gotten into baking gluten and dairy-free. And that has been quite a learning curve. But I've done it for about 10 years. And now I'm able to make really delicious things that people most of the time don't know are gluten <laughs> or dairy-free. Oh, neat. Yeah. <laughs> If we have a meal with my family, I usually, like my parents and my siblings, I usually don't tell them that it's gluten-free and they'll just eat it. <laughs> I'm thinking, and now they know. <laughs> uh, yeah, now they know. Like my dad ate half a pan of brownies last night. And I was like, you know, those are gluten-free. And he's like, oh, now I don't want any more. I was like, but you already like them. <laughs> uh, who introduced you to quilting? A really dear friend, but this is a funny story. When I had this little boy and decided to stay home from work, I was bored. <laughs> and I was like, I went to a church activity and it was like a show and tell night and we were new and I didn't really know anyone. And this woman held up a couple quilts and I was like, yeah, quilt things for old ladies because they were very traditional. And then she held up this incredibly colorful hand appliqued quilt that like told a story and I was like wow that's amazing and 
I was like, Hey, would you teach me how to do that? And she's like, no, like, I don't <laughs> no, I don't, I don't teach people how to quilt. And I was like, Oh, I said, cause I just think they're beautiful. And like, you know, I really honestly made myself a pest and she's a really lovely person. She's from New Zealand and has a very bubbly personality, but she's like, I just don't really have time or desire to teach someone how to quilt. And I was like, well, okay. And then I kind of like would just bump into her at church or I kind of invited myself over and I was like, I would just love to see your studio or your fabric. And she's like, okay. Anyway, so I basically talked her into teaching me how to quilt. (laughs) And she said, well, just go get a pattern and pick out some fabric and I'll show you how to put it together. And I looked at some patterns and honestly didn't like any of them. And I also didn't have any money. Like we were still coming out of that starving student phase. And I was like, oh, I don't have the cash to fork out because quilting is not a cheap hobby. So anyway, I said, well, what if I draw something? And again, this lady, her name's Joanna. She rolled her eyes and she's like, okay, so you're new and you want to start like from scratch, scratch. And I was like, yeah, I can draw. It'll be fine. And she's like, oh my gosh. So (laughs) anyway, I drew this quilt my son was really into anything with wheels. And so I drew a quilt that had cars and trucks all over it. And she's like, well, the only way to make all these cars and trucks is you have to learn how to applique. And I said, okay. So she taught me how to hand applique and I really enjoyed it. She's like, but you're going to need like 30 different kinds of fabric. And I just looked at her and I said, Joe, I don't have the cash for 30 different kinds of fabric. So she's like, come with me. And she let me dig through her scraps because I really just needed small pieces. And I pulled together a bunch of fabrics and she was just so generous. And I think after she saw how excited and how quickly I was learning and putting things together, she's like, yeah, okay, all right, we can do this. So instead of making a small quilt, because I know the babies get bigger, I made him a twin size quilt. (laughs) And I put it together actually pretty quickly. And I took her the top and I said, now what do I do? And she's like, well, now we, you know, make a quilt sandwich. And I was like, oh, what? Because I don't come from a family of quilters. Like my mom and grandparents don't quilt. And she really taught me everything and taught me how to put it together. And she said, well, now we quilt it. I didn't understand what that meant because I said, well, I just made a quilt. And she goes, no, you made the top. And she goes, so now we quilt it. And I'm like, what does that mean? She explained to me that the quilting is actually the stitches that go through all the layers to hold it together. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So then it kind of started to dawn on me and she sat me down in front of her very, very fast Juki and walked away. (laughs) And again, Joe, like, I don't understand what you want me to do here. And she's like, just draw. And as soon as she said, just draw with the needle, like think of it like a pencil. I went nuts and I was like writing letters and putting in details. And she just said, you just want to quilt the whole thing, start in the middle and kind of work your way out. And I loved it. Oh my gosh. It was super fast. And she walked out of the room and I stitched through my thumb, like the pad of my thumb. And she came back in and I was standing over the sink and I hadn't bled on the quilt. And she was like, okay, well now you're a professional. (laughs) As I like, you know, passed out on her floor, basically. She's like, but there's no blood on this quilt. So that was really like my first introduction. And it was so fantastic. And we became really good friends. And she even opened my eyes to the idea of designing fabric because she was throwing around names that I had never even heard of because I wasn't reading quilting blog. I didn't have any magazines. I didn't have any books. She was throwing around names like Amy Butler and Heather Bailey. And I was like, I don't know who you're talking about. So again, she took me down to her studio and she opened this box 
a big box, like a big, like under bed box. And it was gorgeous. And she lifted the lid and it was like fabric candy. They were so beautiful. And I'm like, where did these come from? She goes, okay, these aren't for you. These are the expensive ones. <laughs> but she said, this is who these people are. And so she literally would hold up a fabric and she's a huge fan of Kaf Kassat. And she's like, this is his fabric. This is Amy Butler. This is so-and-so and walked me through everyone. And I felt like I suddenly got to know all these people and really understood their art. And months went by and she's like, maybe you should design fabric. And I was like, that's not a real job. I'd never thought that that was something people actually did for work. And I was pregnant with my second boy. I had a little boy and I was like, you know, one quilt's good. It was fun. And maybe I'll do some more later and just kind of walked away and we moved and we stayed in touch of the years. But in my spare time, as I got extra money, I started making more quilts and I never followed a pattern. They were always just me figuring it out. Then I got really brave because I was reading blogs at that point and I started submitting to magazines. And eight years later, I taught myself Adobe Illustrator and I thought, you know, it's been a long time since I've drawn and I'm just going to draw and put them in Adobe Illustrator and I will figure out how to make repeats. And about six months later, I had a portfolio and I sent it into the top four fabric companies. Super naive. Like I just figure I'll mail it in and if they like it, they'll call me. Mm-hmm. Not really expecting anyone to call me. And about three weeks later, I got a phone call from Moda. Wow. And I was just like, what? Like, I totally beside myself. I didn't think I had really created anything special, but they really saw something in my work. And so I had three years of work with them. It was fantastic. Neat. Moda is such a well-known name. Yeah. I sent it to the top four companies because I figure if you're going to be in the industry at all, you should work for people with quality fabric. At that point, I had gotten to know their product and admired a lot of their designers, but I didn't realize how big of a name thing that was until I went to my first quilt market. And I just went to quilt market, not yet as a designer announced, but just as like an under the radar person. And I ran into a childhood friend's mother, who is a quilter, who now works for Bernina. And she said, wait, why are you here? I said, actually, I'm going to be a new designer for Moda. I had to like whisper it because they hadn't announced it. And she was like, oh, oh, Shannon, like, that's a big deal. And I was like, it is? And she's like, no, no, that's a really big deal. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I I was so naive. I had no idea what I'd really got myself into. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Someday I'd like to go to Quilt Market to see what it's like. I hear a lot of good. Yeah, Quilt Market is very different because it's the industry trade show versus like a retail trade show. Mm -hmm. So there's absolutely nothing to buy. There's like what they call sample spree, which is all the new fabrics, like fat quarter bundles and stuff. But other than that, everything is simply to look at. And so the shop owners come just to buy for the upcoming season. And it's really beautiful. And at the end of Coat Market, they do have like a public retail show. But the trade show is very, I was surprised. It's very professional, but quilters are are warm and they're huggers. And so I probably overdressed for my first day because I was thinking like business trade show. Mm-hmm. But quilters come in like sneakers and blouses and enormous handbags so they can hold all their fabric and it was very different and a very like warm experience neat do you have a favorite quilt 
quilts are really interesting because they all are made for a purpose and then they all tell a story. And even the quilts that I was making to help sell my own fabric, like I had created these elaborate stories in my head about why this quilt would have been made or who would have loved it. But I think my favorite is that first one that my friend Joanna taught me how to make that's still in my son's bed. He's 14 and he will not give it up. But it just holds so many memories of that time. And it really changed the trajectory of my life. So I think that's my favorite. Yeah. I'm hoping he won't take it to college and I can keep it. (laughs) (laughs) You may have to rethink that. I know. I'm kind of thinking, well, he's 14 and maybe he'll want something a little more mature looking. The car one is very bright and very kid colored. So maybe I can make him a more grown up looking quilt and he'll take that one. (laughs) And I'm thinking you might make that and he'll take both. Oh, probably. Since we go to school, I guess. If it's cold where he goes, he'll be like, sorry, mom, you're out of luck. (laughs) How about a tool that you love using in your quilting? I have so many pairs of scissors. I'm looking around my studio. If there's anything I love, love, love. I think scissors, actually, because I lose them. And so I, I didn't have lots and lots of pairs of scissors. And I've tried out several different rotary blades, but I always come back to a pair of scissors because, I mean, I don't massively cut fabric if I'm chopping it up to make blocks or something like that, but I love to chain piece and I love to just have that pair of scissors. So I probably should put a pair like around my neck now that I'm thinking about this because I really do go through quite a few pairs. (laughs) But I like the little scissors that just fit in the palm of your hand and they have short blades. Yeah. Those are probably my favorite. Yeah. And what part of the quilting process do you enjoy the most? You know, some quilters really have like a favorite thing. And then I know that some people absolutely loathe parts of it Mm -hmm. I I really enjoy the design and I really enjoy the binding and I think the design is fun because it's the beginning and the binding is fun because I know that I'm almost done (laughs) I'm picturing some of the quilts I've been working on and yeah sometimes the middle part is like I want to get this done but I want to enjoy the process but yeah I think that middle part, it gets a little monotonous or a little slow or, but somebody suggested probably a year ago, she's like, well, if the middle part's hard, then just make your quilt smaller. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's genius. Like not everything has to be bed size. If I want it to go faster, I should just quilt smaller. But I do like to make the binding and I know not everyone does, but I like to make the binding even before the quilt is done because it's motivation to be like, okay, the binding's already done. I just got to quilt it and then I can get the binding on and wash it because washing really is like the icing on the cake because it comes out all crinkly and loved and yeah, that's great. Tell me about your worst quilting experience. Oh, you mean the one besides where I sewed through my thumb? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, that that could be the worst. (laughs) That was just bizarre because it was my very first quilt. So that was really strange. I think actually when you're quilting for work, sometimes those deadlines are so tight. And so my last fabric line with Moda, I didn't get large yardage quantity. So we didn't have enough time with production. So they just sent me what they call 
strike-offs, which are maybe 18 by 20 inches at the most. So I had planned on showing at Quilt Market five large, pretty finished quilts, and I simply didn't have enough fabric. So what I did is I cut all of my patterns in half and I downsized them. So they were all half scale. And I was able to hang up all five little quilts. And because they were smaller, I got them done faster, barely made it in time for market. But it was such a cool idea because then everyone could see the finished quilt, the whole quilt, because they all fit on my wall. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't even thought about it. I was just thinking like speed wise, like I got to get these done and I have to use what fabric I have available. Actually, it turned out really well, but a normal, like I was making 12 inch by six inch trees. And now I was making six inch by three inch trees and making everything teeny tiny like that. And they were paper pieced. And I didn't anticipate how annoying it would be to try and get paper piecing out of like eighth inch little segments. So quite a few of those quilts have never been washed and there's still paper inside because I simply (laughs) ran out of time. (laughs) And I figure, no one's going to love this. It's just a wall quilt. And so we're just going to slap it together and stitch the paper inside. (laughs) I bet they were beautiful, though. They turned out really well. And people were excited and mostly irritated that I hadn't planned to sell mini quilt patterns. And I said, this is just the half size. The pattern makes a full size. And they were like, why? Why? Like this mini is so cute. We would have just bought the mini. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Because the time crunch was really tight on that one. But yeah, had I done the minis, I think I would have had more sales. (laughs) So you didn't go back? I did for just two of them, but not for all of them. Okay. Because it means going back and redoing all of the math. Yeah. Yeah. So what has drawn you to do quilting rather than use your time on other crafts or other things? I really like how methodical quilting is. And I think it's still that architectural side of me. So I enjoy that the design process and it's a puzzle to put together. And when I'm not rushing to make products for display, it really is a slow craft. And sometimes I think there are other things that you just whip together really fast and maybe it doesn't give you that calm and that soothe and that downtime that you need. Like that's really the point of most of crafts is to help people unwind. And so I really enjoy that. And I also love that quilts get used and I paint and I do lots of decorative things, but they don't really get loved. They get admired. And I really enjoy that quilts get so loved. Well, I like that difference there I hadn't heard that before but I really like that yeah and the more you wash it the softer it gets even if it frays a little bit because the seam popped open like it just is more love on that quilt and I just really I don't know it's it's more homey it's more personal it's the only art I know that you literally wrap people in it yeah you know besides clothing but clothing is so disposable where a quilt like you hang on to quilts for a really long time my mind's going, yeah, just ask your son. <laughs> yeah, he loves that quilt. I'm always like, can I replace this? And he's like, no, no, get away from me. <laughs> yeah. So besides making them for display, who do you make your quilts for? I've kind of run out of people at the moment <laughs> because 
I think all quilters have this problem. You start to like all the babies have one, all the graduation people have one, all, you know, marriages or significant events like that. So I'm kind of at a turning point with my quilting because I need to wait for all my nieces and nephews to get older so we can have like college or graduation quilts. So actually what I recently did is I went through all of the quilts that I had made for shows that I didn't need to use for any like trunk shows or display and I donated them. So in California, right before I left, there were still people recovering from the massive fires that they had. Mm -hmm. So I donated probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 quilts, big piles of quilts because quilts should be loved. And so I think if I make any quilts in the near future, I have a couple in progress, but that's what I'll do is I'll just donate them. That's so needed in the time of need like that. Yeah. And it's something that people don't always think about. Like they're always quick to supply food or clothing, but there's something different about a quilt where it's like, wow, somebody made this. And I just hoped that they would feel that love of receiving a handmade quilt. Yeah. What are you working on right now? So right now I have a couple projects. Like I said, I have a couple quilts. I'm hand quilting something for the first time ever. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. It's so slow, (laughs) but I'm hand quilting a quilt that has fabrics that I bought when I was in Paris. And so they're like French printed fabrics. And so that's just like a memory thing. That one's hand quilting. That's super slow. And I'm also working on just sort of re-establishing myself in my studio. So we moved and we are in the midst of still settling in and figuring out What's the next best thing I'm working on? So I've been working on a small project that's just like a passion project that's paintings. And I don't know how many I'm going to make, but they all have a theme. And the theme is sunshine, which I think is really fun to explore. Hmm. And share a quilting tip. One of my favorite things to use is painter's tape. So I use the painter's tape to mark that quarter inch on my sewing top, I have like an extension table and I will run the tape from the needle out to the front of the machine so I can just line the edge of the fabric. But then I also use the painter's tape on the top. So when I go to do the quilting, like I'll mark off the angles. I've used the hair marker, that like bone folder, but sometimes depending on the light, the light in Arizona is very bright and sometimes it doesn't always work. And so I like to use painter's tape on top for those straight lines and it just peels right off when I'm done. Plus, you can also stitch through it. Oh, okay. And it doesn't leave any kind of a residue on the fabric. That's good to know. Yeah. The green one in particular, I should say. The green painter's tape. Okay. I was picturing (laughs) the blue one. Yeah, the blue one is a little bit tackier than the green. Okay. Moving on to your business, describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby to deciding you would do it as a business. I kind of fell into it. I didn't really anticipate this happening. So right before I sent my portfolio to Moda, I had started a company doing crafts for kids, like craft parties that came in a box. And the company was called Eva Blake's Makery and everything came in a pink bakery box. And that was really fun. And then after I I did that for just maybe like two years, and then I sent my portfolio in and Moda's like, well, you have quilting patterns, right? And I was like, yeah, I have a few. And they said, okay, great. And so they started to ask for them as wholesale. And so I learned the whole other side of the quilting business as far as like being a wholesale vendor. 
And that in conjunction with the fabric really pushed more of my business. So I don't do the kids craft parties anymore. Then I became more of a quilting business and have sold some of the fabrics or I've designed a couple of fabrics on my own. And this was a total fluke. I needed a project planner, but I needed one that didn't have a calendar and that simply focused on the projects because designing and making the patterns for each fabric collection, like I was swimming in post-it notes and sketchbooks and it was just a little chaotic. So I created just a really simple (laughs) form. It was like eight pages and it had graph paper and I color coded the edges and I made a book, but the book was printed on copy paper and held together with binder clips. (laughs) I had used it for a couple of days. If I took a photo of my really scrappy, pretty version put it on Instagram and literally the next day I was going to quilt market. And so I just took it with me and didn't really think anything about it, but I took it with me and I think it was an editor of a magazine had seen it on Instagram and she came over and she said, are you the planner gal? And I was like, I don't know. Am I the planner gal? And she said, well, you're Shannon Gilman or right. You own Eva Blake's bakery. And I was like, yeah. And I said, I just posted this yesterday on Instagram. Do you want to look at it? And she was like, that's why I'm here really? Because it's so scrappy. (laughs) But she's like, let me see it. So she flipped through it and she said, this is fantastic. Are you selling these? And I've learned to just say yes before I know how I'm going to do it. And I was like, yeah, of course I am. (laughs) So she said, well, how much are they? And I was like, I have no idea how much this would cost me. Because when you manufacture anything, if you buy one, it's expensive. If you buy, you know, 500, it's cheaper. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know. So I kind of threw a number out there and she's like, okay, great. I'll take 500. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? So. And this is the day after you posted it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it has a DIY at home laminated cover <laughs> and copy like at home printer pages in the inside. And I was telling her, I said, well, it's not going to be quite like this. I'd like it to have like a wire binding and I want it to be a little bit squarer and not a sheet of paper. And she's like, okay, didn't even blink an eye. She's like, I'll take 500. And I was like, okay. So the next thing I know, Kimberly Jolly from Fat Quarter Shop is in my booth and she ordered some. And then Moda has a distribution side called United Notions and their buyer came over and she's like, well, I want some. So I had sold hundreds of copies within two days. And I was like, okay, obviously I have something that's different and interesting And I got to the point where I was scared to leave the book alone because I only had that one copy. It wasn't copyrighted. I hadn't even bought like an ISBN number. It was just scrappy. So I would put it in my purse and I would take it to the ladies room (laughs) because I was scared to leave it alone. And it was so amazing. So I came home and I placed an order for exactly how many had been pre-purchased. And it took a couple of weeks and I shipped them out. And then... I got orders for more. And so I pre-sold that book probably for two years. I would only buy as many as people purchased because I didn't have the money to fork out in advance to buy a lot of advanced copies. And I had a publisher at one point and it fell through. And so I really started looking more into self-publishing or manufacturing. Like, how do I get more copies of this book made? So the book's gone through probably... At one point, it was three volumes. The first book only had room for 12 quilts. And I had quilters emailing me almost daily. I need another one. I need another one. Or is there another edition? 
And so at one point it was like three volumes and I thought, okay, three volumes is a little cumbersome. So last year I redesigned the whole thing. I found a manufacturer. It has a gorgeous hard cover and like gold wire binding and it holds 42 quilt projects. So you can glue in swatches and you can record the stories of the quilts and why you made it, who the designer is. It's also one that you can like plan in advance of like, ooh, there's all these new patterns and fabric lines coming out and I would love to work with something, but I'll do it later. So it's really a place to capture all of the notes, all of the sketches, all of the swatches. And then not only is it helping you plan, but then you can look back and be like, oh, I love that, but I gave it away. I want to make it again. And you can see exactly what you used, like down to the color of your thread. There's places to record all of that information. So now I buy the books by like 1500 pallet folds, um, <laughs> which is just incredible to me that this little scrappy copy, I solved a problem. Like I saw that quilters love to start, but they struggle to finish. There are other quilt planners on the market. I'm not the only one, but mine doesn't have a calendar and I don't quilt to a calendar. I don't know who does. But the other problem I saw is I was like, I don't want to throw away the book at the end of the year if I didn't fill it out all the way. And so my book never expires. Yeah. And it's been amazing to me that I feel like quilting is such a treasured craft and something that we should slow down and we should record just like you're doing with this podcast. Like people want to hear or go back and read those stories. And I had a quilter who had bought one of my books email me and she said, this is fantastic. While we were cleaning out the attic, we found my grandmother's swatch book where she had put in pieces of fabric and written down what the quilt was and who she'd made it for. So she said, that's what your book is, but for the modern quilter. And I was like, oh my word, that is amazing. So that is what planned quilt has really become. Oh, how fun. Lately, I've been seeing people post on Facebook that they came across material and had no clue what they had bought it for. So that would really oh, yeah. solve that a lot. <laughs> That happens all the time. And, you know, we buy fabric because it's beautiful or I think we'll use it later or we buy it with a specific project in mind, but because we never wrote it down or we did on this little piece of paper and it's lost. Mm -hmm. This really does pull everything together in one place. Quilters take this book with them to the shops. I've seen people like match a swatch with something they already had before because sometimes fabric does go out of print. And so sometimes you need something similar to replace it with or to find another project to work on. I'm just so grateful. And it's so fun to see how everyone uses it differently. Yeah. I wanted you to tell me who Eva Blake is. Oh, (laughs) I get asked this all the time. Sometimes people think that my name is Eva. So my name is not. My name is Shannon. But Eva is my great, great grandmother's first name. And Blake is my father's name. And had I had a little girl, I was going to name her Eva Blake. But I don't have girls. I have two boys. And so this company really has become my third child. (laughs) There's this great story about my great-great-grandmother. She was the woman who would start the fire in the schoolhouse. And she had little children at home. So she would make them breakfast at like five in the morning. She would walk across the field in the snow to keep the fire in the schoolhouse so that by the time her kids and the neighbor kids got to school, it would be warm. And I just love that like tenacity and that fortitude and that 
grit to do hard things. And so Eva really embodies that. And my dad has just an entrepreneurial tender heart. And I just thought there's no two better people that I could put together. And so when I started the company, I was really struggling with seasonal depression. We lived out East and it got dark at four and it didn't get light until 10. (laughs) That was really hard for me as a girl who grew up in Arizona where it's sunny all the time. And I thought we're going to name this company Eva Blake because I became Eva Blake. Like I became this person who was really working hard and really doing my best and trying to embody all those things from these people that I admired. And it's been remarkable to me that as I worked really hard to become that kind of a person, I have. And so now Eva Blake company stands on its own, but I am so much stronger and really the kind of person that I wanted to be 10 years ago when I started this business. Mm -hmm. I noticed on your website that you're an Olaf ambassador. How did that come about? I've worked with several companies. I've worked with Olfa and Orafil and the Warm Company and Pellon. So the wonderful thing about being a fabric designer is that if you need something, you can just call and say, hi, I'm a fabric designer and I work with Moda and I really could use some more rotary blades because I'm going through them by the bucket. So initially that was how my relationship with Olfa started is like, I just needed more blades and I'm making quilts faster than I can think. And can you just send me a couple extra blades? But Olfa has been wonderful to work with. And I got to design a, I think it was their 40th anniversary. They had quilters from all over the world make blocks about the rotary cutter. And I was chosen to be one of those people. And so it's been really fun and I get to use some of their new products and tell other people about the ones that I love. Cool. And I did get to listen to the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast that you were on. That was fun. Mm -hmm. I will be having that on your episode page so people can find that also. Okay. Yeah, American Patchwork and Quilting has been really good to me. I think it was their editor who was the one who found my planner the first time. Okay. Neat. And share with everyone where they can find your business. Yeah, so you can find me and Eva Blake's Makery at Eva B Makery, like bakery, but with an M, dot com, or at Eva B Makery on Instagram and on Facebook. Cool. Well, Shannon, is there anything else you would like to share with me? This has been so fun, and I love that you are helping people record their cool journeys and their stories because I think that that is one of the biggest keys in this amazing craft industry. That's Our product and our art is tied to story. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This has been really wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. You Bye-bye. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com. Or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.